in a series called Wisdom, and we're going through the book of Proverbs. I think there's some reverb on this test, one, two. Um, and we're, we're encouraging all of our young people to jump into the Bible and uh, incentivizing them to spend uh, time in the Word every day where they're able to earn some, some money for doing it. Um, how many like being incentivized to do good stuff? How many are, how many are, are doing soaps more now because you have a chance to win a Target gift card? Anyone? My mom. <laughs> um, we're gonna we're gonna go through um, three principles. Uh, so as I went through my soaps this past week, uh, chapter eleven stuck out. And three different principles that have guided some of the decisions or a lot of the decisions in my life. So I was just going to uh, go through these three principles. So the, the title of the message this morning is Wise Principles to Live By. And uh, the book of Solomon is written by, or the book of uh, Proverbs is written by King Solomon. And one of the stories that guides uh, or uh, I guess leads up to this book is he was a young ruler, a young king, and God appeared to him in a vision, in a dream, and asked him, what do you, what do you want me to do for you? And Solomon, instead of asking for the lives of his enemies or for fame or for riches, he said, God, will you please give me wisdom because I'm young and I don't know what I'm doing. Would you please help me uh, and give me wisdom so that I can be able to lead this great people that you've entrusted to me? And because uh, Solomon asked for wisdom above riches, above honor, above fame, above the lives of his enemies, God came and said, you've asked for the right thing. And because you've asked for wisdom and you didn't ask for these other things, I'm going to give you wisdom, but I'm going to give you all of these things as well. And so what Solomon, one of the first lessons that Solomon learned, and he, he pens in, this, in uh, Proverbs chapter 3, is that wisdom is the principal thing. It's like the first thing that we should desire, and as we desire wisdom, that all of these other things will fall into place. So uh, let's read Proverbs 3, 15, and 16 together. One, two, three. She is more precious than rubies, and all the things you may desire cannot compare with her. Length of days is in her right hand, and in her left hand, riches and honor. So this is coming from the king that experienced this firsthand, where he asked for wisdom, and after getting wisdom, he got everything else. And so he pens this, and he says, if there's anything that's worth the most in this life, it's having wisdom, because with wisdom, you not only get long life, but you get riches, and you get honor as well. Everything is included when you desire wisdom. But there's one thing in here that he points out, and we're going to jump into it today. So um, let's, let's open in a word of prayer. God, we just thank you so much for your word. Thank you for uh, the wisdom that you are willing to give. You, ask, you told us that if we ask for wisdom, that you would give it generously and abundantly to anybody who asks. So Lord, we, we're here in this, in this building this morning. We're here in your church because we don't know everything, because we admit that we need more of your knowledge and we need more of who you are in our lives. So God, we pray that you'd speak to us this morning in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. 
How many of you uh, can see a progression in humanity, your life and the life of your kids, where, where you're a kid and you're very teachable, you don't know anything, and you slowly begin to learn. And something happens when you go from grade school to high school, you automatically like know everything. So you go from knowing nothing and teach me, teach me, to all of a sudden, now that I'm a teenager, I know more than my parents. I know more than everyone that surrounds. You guys are all smiling like you, this is something. And then after you get out of the expert phase of being a teenager, and you start growing up and you become a young adult, then you start finding out that you don't really know everything and that you do need help again and you get thrown into the real world and then you realize how smart and how wise your parents and God and everyone else is besides you. How many of you can see that progression in life? It's ignorance, I need to learn, then all of a sudden I'm an expert, or maybe not, and then you start learning a little bit more. And there's a humility that is developed from the hard knocks of life and then with that humility, you become teachable. And then when you become teachable, then you actually become wise. And it, it takes a whole lifetime to get to the status of Pastor Eddie, where he's like wise, you know. Um, um, so there's, there's three, different, three different principles uh, that we talk about, or that Proverbs talks about in chapter 11. One is integrity. Everyone say integrity. Just doing what you know is right. Number two is teachability. Everyone say teachability. It's, it's being open to, to learning and open to be corrected. And uh, that is severely missing in the life of most teenagers. Not my kids, because my kids are, no, I'm just joking. It's definitely in my, no. <laughs> and none of them are here this morning. Not in first service. Uh, and then number three is fruit. Um, so we're going to be talking about these three principles this morning. Um, the first thing that I want to point out in the first verse that we, t we read together, Proverbs 3, 15 and 16, it says, And all the things that you may desire cannot compare with her. And what that, what that implies is that we desire things. A lot of times we desire things that are not the best. And that's one of the first things we need to understand and embrace is that our desires a lot of times are not the best desires that God wants for our lives. Um, I remember growing up that there was, uh, you know, this girl that I was infatuated with, and I thought, like, she was, you know, super... Actually, I didn't really think she was pretty. I, I asked her out to the junior prom, and then after I went... After I went to the junior prom with this girl, and, you know... She was wearing this nice dress. I was all dressed up nice, and the romantic music playing, and and the the whole environment was, you know, made for romance. I guess I left that. I left the prom thinking, "Oh, I want her to be my girlfriend," and I didn't want her to be my girlfriend like before going to the prom. But something happened in my heart. Hormones. And I, I was like, I want this girl to be my girlfriend. And then I, I went home, and I was ready to ask her, you know, because back then we didn't have, you know, phones and stuff. So I, 
thank God for that because I probably would have texted if I had the opportunity. But back then it was like, you tell your friend, hey, can you tell her I think she's cute? And then, and then he would tell her, and then they, they would tell their friend to tell you. Yeah, how many of you remember that? Uh, but I remember God saying, wait a week. Don't jump on this, just wait a week. And that's the problem with a lot of young people. They don't wait. Yeah? They just, like, have the phones in their hand, and they feel something, and they can just text it whenever they want, and boom, they're in trouble. At, at, at least when we were, when we were young, it, we could at least think about something before acting on it. But So I waited a week, and I remember I was in Japanese class. I looked across the aisle. Mokihana probably knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> looked across the aisle, saw this girl, and she didn't look pretty anymore to me. I didn't want to be in a relationship with her. I didn't want her to be my girlfriend. And I thought, thank you, Jesus. All, it was just all emotion, and if I acted on that emotion, I would have made a decision that would have led me down a wrong path and probably broke my heart, broke her heart, had a whole bunch of mess on my hands. But God told me to wait, right? And so the desires that we have a lot of times, we can't trust the desires that are in our hearts because the scripture says that the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things who can know it. And so one of the first things we need to understand to get wisdom is to accept the fact that the things that we desire and the things that we want might not be the, the best. How many can agree with that? That your heart many times leads you into things, desires things that might not be the best, whether it's the career or a spouse or whatever it is. It says that instead of desiring all these things, if we desire wisdom first, that everything else will, will follow. So, Number one, how do we figure out what's the right direction and how do we get protected from the wrong things in life? Whatever, anybody want to know how we get guarded and guided in our lives? Anyone besides me? This is, this is good. Integrity. Everyone say integrity. Integrity. So integrity does two things in our lives. Number one, it guides you. And number two, it guards you. It guides and it guards. Everyone say guide and guards. It guides and it guards us. So Proverbs 11.3, it says this. Let's read this together. Um, so integrity guides you. Let's read this together. One, two, three. The integrity of the upright will guide them, but the perversity of the unfaithful will destroy them. So whenever we know or we think we know what's right, a lot of times we don't know what's right, but we think we know what's right. If we do what we think we know is right, God will help us to figure out what's right. If, if the motive and the intention of our heart is to do what we know is right, God will lead us in that direction. It not only guides us, but it also guards us. Integrity guards you. Let's read B together. One, two, three. The righteousness of the upright will deliver them, but the unfaithful will be caught by their lusts. Proverbs 11, verse 6. Uh, an example of this can be found in Genesis. In Genesis, there's the story of uh, King Abimelech and Abraham. And Abraham goes into this city, and, the, and he, he has a beautiful wife. 
and he, his wife is so beautiful that he was fearful that someone was going to kill him and take his wife. And so he lied about it, and he said, oh, this, this, this lady, she's not my wife, she's my sister. And so the king, he gets all excited, and he takes Sarah to be his, to be his wife. And, and this, is what, this is what God says to him in a dream. He says, um, Indeed, you're a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken, for she is, a, she is a man's wife. And King Abimelech had not come near her, and he said, Lord, will you slay a righteous nation also? Did he not say to me that she is my sister? And she even herself said, he is my brother. And it's in the integrity of my heart. Everyone say integrity. It's in the integrity of my heart and the innocence of my hands that I've done this. And God said to him in a dream, yes, I know that you did this in the integrity. Everyone say integrity. Integrity of your heart. For I also withheld you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Now, therefore, restore the man's wife, for he is a prophet, and he will pray for you, and you shall live. But if you do not restore her, know that you shall surely die, you and all who are yours. How many of you would be moderately motivated to do what's right if God showed up in a dream and, and, and told you this? But the amazing thing to me is that he didn't touch her. She was his wife. He had a wedding. He didn't touch her. And God comes at night and tells him in a vision, I was the one that kept you from touching her. I wonder how he did that. I have no idea, but it's an interesting thought. How did God keep this king from touching Sarah? And then he said, it's because you did it in the integrity of your heart. I guided you and I guarded you to do what's right. So a lot of times, like I remember, I remember growing up, this was, this was, you know, I don't put this on anybody else except my kids, and, but they don't take it on for themselves because they're stubborn, but sometimes. But growing up, for whatever reason, whenever I, you know, was uh, romantically interested in someone, so I'm talking to all the high schoolers, you know, all the young people here, um, and then the parents that will have high schoolers. But I would always ask myself, am I going to marry this person? And it's, this, it's a crazy question to ask when you're in high school, but I would ask myself this question, am I going to marry this person? And if the, if the answer was, I, I have no idea, then my response was, then why am I going to go out with this person if I don't know? And this is something I just put on, I think God put it on me. <laughs> I think he was the one that put that thought in my head because I didn't read it anywhere or anything. But it was just, are you going to marry this person? If not, then treat her like someone else's wife. And so I wouldn't flirt. I wouldn't, like, so much so that my, my friends thought, thought I was gay. And, and they would say, like, John, do you like girls? I said, yeah. Then how come, how come you don't go out with anyone? How come you don't? I just don't want to. Like, I just... I don't. I think it's a waste of time and, and a waste of money, and uh, and and I remember after making the decision that I'm not going to date somebody that I don't know if they're you know if I'm going to get married to them, and and to treat uh, tr treat the opposite sex as if they're somebody else's wife, 
which I suffered for because people thought I was gay for doing that. Um, can't believe I'm telling you guys this. <laughs> it's probably because I was feminine too. I, I think I had a high voice and like that didn't help. <laughs> I'm like emotionally scarred from when I was young. Had the high voice, didn't date, was the son of a pastor. I was like ostracized in high school. Yeah, Mokihara. Yeah. <laughs> she knows. And, and all, 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 all my, anyway, what am I talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so then the, the principle of sowing and reaping, I felt like God told me, he made a promise to me Well, when I was in high, high school that if you, you know, protect the girls around you and treat them like somebody else's husband or wife, that in the future you're going to find a beautiful woman that, has not dated anyone, and that there's going to be a protection around her life because what you sow, you're going to reap. And so when I met Joss, the first thing I asked her was, like, how many boyfriends have you had? No, that wasn't the first thing I asked her. It was, like, when we started, like, you know, getting interested, and she said, oh, I just never went out with anyone. And I said, really? Nobody liked you? Oh, no, plenty of people liked me, but I just didn't like them. I was like, oh, that's different from me because nobody liked me. <laughs> I married up. But um, there, there was that protection around her life because what you sow, you reap. And, and, and so I, I realized that the integrity of our, the upright, it says the integrity guards and it guides us through our lives. If we, if we do what we think is right. And so that was just like, there's no scripture in the Bible that says, you know, well, there, there is. It says treat everyone like a sister. Then I'd be hitting every girl um, because that's what I did with my sister. Anyway, um, why am I so scatterbrained this morning? Um, so anyway, uh, integrity is upright. It guides us and it guards us. When we do what we know is right in our hearts, there's something supernatural that happens where God guides us into what is right for our lives. And so... Um, so I shared this with, like, you know, different young people when I was the youth pastor. And it's so cool that there's a handful of them that said, we're going to do the same thing. And they actually did the same thing. And whenever they got married, they would call me and say, hey, Pastor John, like, I just found somebody. And that's, you know, like, there's Mark Gossa and, like, you know, all the, and recently, the last, the last person 33 years old, I'm just, I'm, I'm not going to tell you, but one of the last guys that saved himself for a girl finally got a girlfriend, and I'm so happy. Anyway, and his mom's sitting back there. <laughs> anyway, he doesn't watch, yeah? I don't think he watches. Anyway, um, I'm so excited because what you so you will reap, and it's, uh, it's a promise of God. Integrity of the upright will guide us. Um, so th this is, I, I just want to, I'm just on this, like, relationship thing for some reason, but young people. Oh, yeah, Valentine's Day is pretty soon. So, yeah, all you young people and whatever listening, you keep this in mind. So, number one question, ask. Am I going to marry this person? That's the first thing you should ask. Am I going to marry? If you don't know, 
then no touch. You can see, but no touch. Only window shopping. See, but no touch. <laughs> Number two, you make a list. It's not, you like me? Oh, I like you. You're the only person that like me? Okay, I like you. It doesn't work like that, right? Make a list. Write down all the things that you want in a relationship. Is she a Christian? Is he a Christian? What's the relationship like with their parents? Do they process conflict well with their parents? If she's a girl, does she get along with her dad well? If, she, if he's a guy, does he get along with his wife? Because the way that she treats her dad is how she's going to treat you. The way that he treats his mom is the way that he's going to treat you. How did she or how did he treat previous boyfriends and girlfriends? Because you could be an ex-boyfriend or girlfriend one day, and she'll, he'll treat you the same way. Right? So look at all those things. Make a list. We were taught when we were young to make a list and write all the different characteristics of what we wanted our person to be. And then pray and say, God, please give me somebody like this. And then, when the wrong person presents themselves and they say, I like you? You like me? Go, no, I don't like you because you don't meet the standards on my list. And if you have a list, then you know what you're looking for, right? Does that make sense? Makes sense, right? So make a list, check it twice, because God knows if you're naughty or nice. That will help you not to fall in love, right? Because falling in love is dumb. You want to be in love. Choose who you're going to be in love with. Uh, what do you want? So Christian, family, past relationships, that they're good. They learn how to handle conflict well, and they're good with their money. That helps. Sense of humor. Okay, was that good? It's good for... Valentine's Day, because once you give your heart to somebody, it's really hard to take it back. And then, like, all kinds of problems. It's like you think buying a car, like a, a lemon, is bad. Try get involved in a relationship with, like, somebody you didn't really evaluate well, and you can't return the thing. Like, especially if you get married, you're stuck. For the rest of your life, you're stuck. Anyway. Number two, so number one is integrity. Number two, teachability. You, you guys are really blessed because second service isn't going to get this because we go online and my kids will be here. So number, <laughs> number two, teachability. Uh, let's read the scripture together. One, two, three. Where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Proverbs eleven fourteen. 14. So uh, let's, let's read the next scripture together. Proverbs 12. One, two, three. Whoever loves, let's read that again. Whoever loves, one more time, whoever loves instruction loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. 
You didn't know that that word was in the Bible, did you? Everyone say stupid again. Stupid. If you hate correction, the Bible calls you stupid. <laughs> yeah, my, my, when growing up with my kids, we told them stupid was a bad word. And every single time someone said stupid in our house, Caden, he would always look and say, stupid means a bad word. You're not supposed to stay stupid. And then one day he was reading the Bible and he said, the Bible says stupid. <laughs> well, I guess you can say stupid then because it's in the Bible. He who hates correction is stupid. <laughs> Whoever loves instruction loves knowledge. Um, it's really hard to love correction because everybody likes to be right everybody thinks they know everything especially now because like if I think I know something I can google it and google will tell me I'm right no matter what it is if I think if I think that the world is flat I can google it and it will show me all the reasons why the earth is flat for real so I can be right about anything and I can find people on the internet that agree with me. That's the world that we live in. And it's stupid. <laughs> One of the things about wisdom is that we have to have this, this instinctual, I probably am wrong. I, I could be wrong, and I want to find out if I'm wrong and I'm going to surround myself with a multitude, not just one, but a multitude of counselors. There's safety in a multitude of counselors. And, and not echo chamber tell me exactly what I want to hear. Counselors will take my situation into account and they will give me their counsel. Godly thought through wise, experienced counsel. Amen? And young people, if you're in this church, there are many people older than you that have made all the mistakes that you're ready to make. And they're willing to give you counsel if you love it. Most of you don't love counsel because most of us are human. It's a supernatural thing to love counsel. But you don't have to make mistakes if you love counsel because you can learn from the mistakes of other people. And you can look at their messed up lives and you don't need to do the same thing. Right? Because most people live messed up lives because we're all human, we all have sin, and it's much easier, life is much easier if you learn from other people's mistakes than your own. But the stupid people don't even learn from their own mistakes. They don't learn from other people's mistakes. They don't learn from their own mistakes. They hate correction and keep doing their stupid mistakes and then keep going down that road. And, and, and you don't want to do that with your life. And all God's people said, amen. amen. <laughs> Last one. Do not correct a scoffer lest he hate you. Rebuke a wise man and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be wiser. Te teach a just man, and he will 
increase in learning. So when I read that scripture the first time, I, I thought, okay, I am just going to look for the smart people, and I'm just going to correct the smart people because then they'll love me. And I'm not going to correct the foolish people because if I correct the foolish people, they're going to hate me, and I don't want to be hated. And that's what this scripture means. You know that's not what this scripture means? The scripture, <laughs> the scripture means that if you hate somebody that corrects you, then you're stupid. <laughs> but if you love somebody who corrects you, then you're wise. It's, it's for us to receive. And when I read it that way, I was like, I'm stupid. Because so many times I get offended when somebody tells me I'm doing something wrong. It's just human nature, right? But wisdom, if we want the wisdom of God, we have to love correction. And we have to love the people who correct us. And there's three kinds of people that, that like to correct us. One is our, or actually, uh, we have to identify the people in our lives. So there's, the, your friend, uh, there's your foes, right? That nothing that you do is right. And they really hate you. How many of you have those people in your life, your foes? That there's nothing you can do right in life. They just, everything you do is wrong, and they're just going to criticize you. How many of you have people like that in your life? Anyone? Nobody? Nobody has enemies in their life, like foes? You, you kind of have just one person? Oh, you guys have. Okay, so, so foes, I mean, you can learn stuff from foes, but you don't have to, you don't have to, like, you know, take everything that they say is truth, the people that hate you. But, you know, and then there's your fans, that everything that you do is right and nothing you do is wrong, and then all they say is good stuff about you. Don't listen to those people either. Because, the, but the, the, the last one is your true friends. Those are the ones that love you and will speak the truth to you because they care about you. How many of you have those people in your life? And so those people in your life, those are the, the, the people that you want to treasure, especially the things that come out of them. So kids, that's your parents because your parents love you. They gave birth to you. They... they Feed you, yeah, Brie, Brayton, feed you. So your parents, they love you, and they're going to correct you when you're wrong, not because they hate you or not because they want to put you down, but because they love you. And those people, you have to receive what they say, and you have to love that correction if you're going to be wise. Amen? So we can learn from everyone, but the people in our lives that, that love us, those are the ones that we want to embrace when they, say, when they bring correction. And then the last thing, um, know, know others by the fruit of their life. Everyone say fruit. Okay, so Matthew 7, 16 through 18, it says, You will know them by their fruit. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Pretty much like if there's an apple tree, it's going to give you apples. If it's an orange tree, it's going to give you oranges. Um, even so, every good tree bears good fruit. 
but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Um, jump to C in your notes. Let's read this together. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. So, young people, if you want to succeed in life, if you want to have honor, wealth, long life, you need wisdom. To get wisdom, you need to love correction, and then learn from those who have fruit on their life. So if you want a good family life, you look for those who have that fruit. And so in my life, I'll look for, if I want to be wealthy, then I'm going to learn from people who are wealthy. But I might not learn how to have a good family from those who are wealthy if they are wealthy and they have a messed up family. But then I'll go to somebody else who has a great family and I'll learn how to have a good family from them, but maybe not finances because they might not have that fruit. So look for people in your life that you want that fruit in your life and then love correction from those people. And, and in church, and you know, you can find those things online, but in church, there's a great resource of people who can give you counsel and give you wisdom and give you correction in all of these areas. Um, so family, finance, fitness, faith, all of these different things, there's people that you can get mentorship from that God has created a spiritual family for us to grow and learn. Um, and then this last thing, it says, and he who wins souls is wise. Um, this is something that I've noticed in my life that, oh, this is something that I've noticed in my life, that people who love leading others to the Lord are wise. It's, there's a, you only have so much, um, that you grow in before you just want to start sharing it with others. And what I notice is people who love others and people who are intentional about bringing other people to the Lord, they're doing it because there's an abundance of wisdom, there's an abundance of love, they have a relationship with the Lord that goes beyond themselves. And if you think in your life, if you go through your life and you think about those who are the most concerned about others and want other people to come to the Lord, you'll, you'll notice that this scripture is giving you a prerequisite of wisdom. If you want to be surrounded by wise people, or if you want to know who's wise, look for people who love the lost. Look for people who love others. And that's a huge indicator that there's a depth of wisdom in those people. And so I, when I read the scripture, I started thinking through the different ones that are concerned about our community, concerned about others, and I started thinking through, wow, these people are also really good with finances. They're really good with what they do with their families. And, and all I needed to really do was look for somebody who cared about others. Isn't that cool? 
you can like filter out a lot of stuff and just look for the ones that love others and want to see the lost saved, and you'll probably hit gold every single time if that's, if that's the metric that you look for. So we're going to call up Jaden. Jaden's going to share a soap. He's one of the wise young people in our church. Could you guys give a hand for Jaden? Last week, we had Brayton. How many of you appreciated Brayton last week? And then this week, we have Jaden. Hello. Okay. Um, so I know it's not from Proverbs, but um, my verse is from Exodus 4, 10 through 12. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who made them deaf or mute? Who, get, who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, and I will help you speak and teach you what to say. So my observation is that Moses is saying that he's nervous to talk to Pharaoh, and he doesn't think he can do it. But then God reminds him that he'll help him, and Moses just needed to trust him, and then it ended up working great. So um, my application is that, uh, well, it's kind of awesome because this verse came up like right before I had a big speech in school, so that was like pretty cool. But my application was sometimes I get nervous and then I psych myself out of doing something that could have been amazing if I hadn't gotten scared. And I just need to remember that God will always help me and I can always trust in him. So my prayer is, dear God, please help me to trust in you and I know that you will help me when I'm anxious. Amen. Isn't that awesome how God speaks to us like exactly what we need to hear uh, all the time? Thank you very much. And, and when we give God the opportunity to speak to us by jumping into his word, it's amazing how many times he'll address things in our lives that have to do specifically with the things that we're facing during that day. Amen. I think we're done. Why don't we all stand and we'll... Close in a word of prayer and our benediction today. Let's pray. God, we just thank you so much for your word and for who you are. You are wisdom personified. And when we spend time with you and when we jump into your word, God, you give us the ability to hear your voice. And Lord, I just pray for uh, every single one of us in church and uh, our, our kids growing up, Lord, that, uh, that your spirit and your voice and your wisdom would cut through uh, all the noise of our culture, all the, the, the false teachings, all the, all the lies that uh, culture, uh, that permeates our culture today. God, we pray that your truth would, would speak in that, that still small voice but God, that you would cultivate our ears to be able to hear what you're saying to us and, and, and go past the noise and go past the lies. Uh, God, we thank you that you are truth. You said that you are the way, you're the truth, you're the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through you. And you've given us the ability to hear your voice and to discern what is right and discern what is wrong. God, we just pray for our younger generation, our kids uh, that are growing up, uh, in in this church and under your care and in your in your presence, Lord, we just pray specifically for them. All of us 
uh, you said that if we agree on anything, if two or more agree on anything, that it would be given. And God, we, we agree together, Lord, for the younger generation that, that your hand would be upon them, your wisdom would be upon them, Lord, that, that in this culture where people are searching for truth and they're searching for what is right, Lord, that there would be beacons of light that would, would rise up and in this younger generation, Lord, that you would fill our, our, our kids with such wisdom that their friends and the community would, would see that there is your spirit that, that is in them. Even as Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, your hand was upon them in a foreign culture, and they were promoted uh, to the, the highest echelons in, in, that, in Persia because of the wisdom that was on them. God, we just pray for a special grace on our kids to grow up knowing your voice and knowing your presence and, and, and being filled with your wisdom. And we ask that you would use us in whatever way you can uh, to raise up this next generation to do what you've called them to do. We ask this in Jesus' wonderful name. And everyone said, amen. amen.